0: Time to come home. I'm going to be speaking from the 15th chapter of the book of Luke, verses 11 through 32. Now, it's a rather long passage, so I'm going to not read it, but it's about the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son. The prodigal son is a term we hear a lot in everyday society. People have coined the phrase of the prodigal son, a son-daughter who leaves his or her parents to do things that they do not approve of, but then feels sorry and returns home. The prodigal son is a story that is very familiar to many and to many who have not read the story in many respects know the story because they have lived or are living this story today. The story keeps in mind a rebellious son of a father who has strayed and went his own way, which is a story that Jesus uses as a lesson. Now it can also be a story of a father's love or even a member of church without Christ because in retrospect, that is what the older brother was. More importantly, it's a story about how lost we are from God. But I wanna focus on the boy in the story because he was a rebel. He rebelled against his father. He wanted to live a life that only pleased him. In the story of the prodigal son that Jesus shared, we find a son, who goes to his father and asks for his inheritance. And his father divides up everything between both his younger son and the boy's older brother, from which he took his inheritance and left for a nearby country to indulge in debauchery and ill-mannered frivolities. He wasted all of his money on high living and sinful pleasures, until after a great famine came upon this land and all his money was gone, leaving him alone, broke, and wanting I saw a report from the National Runaway Safeline that reported between 1.6 million and 2.8 million youth run away each year. In 2017, of the 27,000 missing child cases reported to the center, 91% of these were for endangered runaways. And those of the age of 15, when they first entered foster care, have the highest risk of running away. Now the reasons why these children run away from home are many and various, but many of these fall prey to all sorts of evils, including falling prey to drug dealers, thugs, con men, and even sex traffickers. But regardless, many of our young people strike out on their own, looking for something that they think is missing at home or think they want to spread their wings, if you will, and look for other things. Many young people are feeling lost today and young people are exploring a world, searching for more immediate gratifications and other ways of living that is away from God. Young people are lost, confused, frustrated, and are searching for a way back. Many strike out looking for a promised land or a perfect life. Many leave because of violence or something else that is destructive and they're looking for answers. Many strike out looking for fame, riches, or to make it big. And a great deal of it is just straight rebellion from their parents. You see, it's a heart problem we have. We want fulfillment in our lives. We want peace and a joy and a happiness that we don't find anywhere in life. It's just not found apart from God. You can't find it just anywhere. And it's natural for a child to be curious and to have questions. But if you don't raise children in a Christian home and answer those questions biblically, then Satan will answer their question with lies and deceit. All teens go through similar phases. The need for independence, a separate identity, testing authority. It's part of growing up. It's also linked to developmental changes in the brain that will eventually help them become analytical adults. But today's teens get an extra whammy because social pressures come earlier than have in previous generations. Our children today are getting more confused by the second. Our children are being denied truth and having it substituted for a lie. Schools and society are trying to teach little children that they can choose their own gender or sex. The truth of the matter is that God has already chosen that. But society wants to follow the lies and the deception of Satan and spread a false illusion that just makes people drawn further away from God, leaving them a hollow person of what in opposition to what God wants them to be. You see, the devil is fishing with bait. He comes along and he whispers in your ear and tells you that it's greener on the other side of the fence. Everything is better over there. You just rebel against your parents, rebel against God, rebel against religion, and go out here on your own, and you think it's going to be better. But the devil doesn't tell you that he's got a hook in you. Fools make a mockery of sin, the Bible says. There's a pleasure in sin, but only for a season. You see, for a short time, you can have a good time, but it's very short. And then it disappears. It becomes empty, and you become delusioned. When are we gonna wake up? Maybe we are going to see a great tide turn, but we will never see this turn unless we are willing to make Christ the very heart and the very center of our lives. It's either Christ or chaos. So what's it going to be? And just like the prodigal son, he ended up broke, unhappy, alone, and wanting. And some end up way worse than this, including having their life shortened by death. And what is worse is dying and not knowing the Lord and Savior. For the prodigal son, after his fortune was gone, he got a job feeding swine and had reached one of the lowest points of his life. And because of his severe hunger, he started to eat the food that was made ready for the swine. It was then that he finally came to a realization. He realized that his father's hired servants were given plenty of food to eat while he sat there and starved. So he decided to go back home to his father, confess to him that he had sinned against him and against God. He felt no longer worthy to be a son of his father, and he was going to ask to just be a hired servant. Once the boy started to think, because the Spirit of God began to speak to him, he realized he had made a fool of himself, how his rebellion had left him with absolutely nothing. He arose and started back home, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and his father was filled with compassion, and he ran to him, and he embraced his lost son. We now see the actions of the Father. This illustrates God. Jesus is telling this story to illustrate a spiritual truth. As the prodigal son's father was watching for him, God is watching us all the time, waiting for us to come back home, to be embraced in love and compassion. He sees you down that long road. He sees your rebellion, your shame, your sin, But God still wants you to come back to him. The son says to his father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm sorry. And I've come home and I want to be your servant. Now this parable tells of a young man who left his father's house in an attempt to find fulfillment in the things that he thought would make him happy. Apparently, he believed nice clothes and fine foods and big parties would bring him all this happiness. But after all that wayward living, the prodigal son lost all he had, and he returned to his father's house. He realized that everything he was looking for in life was at home. Everything he desired in life was in a relationship with his father. That's what the prodigal wanted. Christians find this to be true as well. Everything we need in life to be happy, everything we need for true fulfillment is found in a relationship with God the Father. But the Father, he says to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let's eat and be merry. For this is my son who was dead and now is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And they began to be merry. The father was so happy of the son's return that he gave his son his finest things, clothes, sandals, a ring. A ring was a symbol of authority of sonship. Then his father gave him a great party in celebration of his return. Because the father's son was lost, but now he has been found. And that's how God will treat you if you receive Christ. It's just as you've never been away. He forgives all the past. He writes your name in his book, the book of life. You have the assurance that you are going to heaven. Now the Christian life isn't always easy, and it doesn't mean that you'll never have problems living as a Christian, but it does require reading your Bible daily. It means spending time in prayer, and it means persecution. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, the Bible says. We are to live disciplined lives under the Lordship of Christ. That isn't always easy, but there is good news, and that is that the Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart to help you live the Christian life. And it begins to live through you and in you. It's no longer you living. It is Christ living in you, and it becomes a life of joy. Problems? Yes. Difficulties? Absolutely. But a life of joy and peace and of forgiveness. Happiness and peace and joy are found in God, in a relationship with Christ and in a disciplined life. God can and will change your life. It doesn't matter how rebellious your heart has been or what or how many sins that you've committed. It doesn't matter how many immoral acts you've committed or how many drugs you've done, because God knows all that. Christ is saying that I know all your sins, I, I know of your rebellion, I know your problems, your hurts, all your pains, and I love you anyway. You see, when Christ died on that cross, he did it for you. He died for you because he loves you and wants you to spend eternity with him. Christ knows everything about you so much that he came willing to earth to die for you. No one made him do that. He did that willingly. He wasn't forced to be nailed to that cross. Christ said, I do this out of love and out of my own accord. I want to end your pain, your hurts, and all your sins that you have done. You see, as sinners, we deserve death. That is our penalty for sin, being separated from God. But Christ said, I will take your punishment for what you have done. I will pay your price. Because sin comes with a very heavy price, and that has to be paid. Sometimes it may not be paid immediately, but the Bible says that the wages of sin are death. And that is why Christ said, I will be the one who dies. And that is what Christ did. He paid the ultimate price in forgiving you of your sins. Because Jesus knows everything about you and what you've done. And because of that, he is still reaching his hand out to you saying, come home. Now, Jesus didn't come to earth to save the righteous. He came for the sinners. You're the kind of person he is really looking for. That's why he died and he rose again on the third day to receive you back home. And then next, the older brother who had been in the field working came back near the house and heard all the music and the dancing and this great party that was being held. And he had his servants go and ask what all these things meant. And they told him, that his brother had come back home, and because he had been received safe and sound, his father had killed the fatted calf. And the brother became angry, and he wouldn't go. When his father came out and pleaded with him, the oldest brother said to his father, All these years of serving you and working, and I was loyal to you, but I wasn't even given a young goat to have a party with my friends. But when this younger brother shows back up after wasting his livelihood with harlots and evil living, You kill the fatted calf and give the younger brother this great feast. Now, this part of the story gives us a picture of the church. You see, this older brother had been in his father's home all along. But his loyalty wasn't really with his father. His loyalty was to his own selfish interests. And it is possible to be in the church and be lost. It is possible to be in the church and be without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You are a member of the church. You haven't run away from home or left, but even while you're at home in the church, your your heart is not right with God. So you need to repent of your sins and receive Christ as your Lord and your savior. Main message of the prodigal son emphasizes that God the Father is rich in mercy and always ready to forgive. And reconciliation is a gift of God. For the church, her mission of reconciliation is the initiative. To be full of compassion, love, and mercy. The father replied, "Son, you're always with me, and all I have is yours." But it was right to be merry and be glad and rejoicing, because your brother, who was dead, he's now alive again. He was lost, and is now found. The son returned, and the Bible says, "There's no, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner." that repents. There's no greater value for that one person to repent to the Father and receive Christ. Heaven rejoices over the sinner who turns from their evil and wicked ways and turns to Christ for their eternal salvation. The story is also a story of a loving father searching for what for which is lost. And that was his son. And the Father is God. God is the one searching for you. God loves you and he's searching for you. And the search takes him all the way to the cross where he gave his son for you. That's how much God loves you. The Bible teaches that we are like the lost sheep or this lost boy. We are away from God who is a shepherd to us. We have rebelled against God. We have run away from God, but God loves us. He wants us back. And he's willing to go to any length to get us back but he won't compromise in telling us how to get back. You see, there are some people out there that are deceived into believing that there are other ways or a different path. But the truth is, there's only one way. And that one way back is through Jesus Christ. If you're willing to come that way, Christ says, I will receive you. I will forgive you. God was not this boy's shepherd. And because God wasn't, he found himself hungry, discouraged, desolate, and lacking. You're like this too if God isn't the head of your life. You too will find yourself in want, hungriness, destitute. Maybe you're already experiencing this in your life. The only way to feed your hunger is to turn to God and allow him to be your shepherd. Only God alone will fill your hunger with truth and a life eternal. Folks, we are living in very confusing and lost times. And the only way to get unlost is to come back home to God. And at the end, when it's all said and done, we find that everything we ever need is at home, at home with God. God has everything one will need or will ever need. And God is saying to you, I love you. And I want you to come Back home. Amen.